भगवते वासुदेवाया so um been speaking on the subject of happiness now for 3 weeks we began with exploring what has been described as the great unhappiness epidemic and the attempts to try and find a chemical solution where you think you can put something in your mouth or inhale it or put something up your nose or in your veins and it will induce happiness in the second um talk that we did we spoke about the difference between material and spiritual happiness and the fact that we are eternal spiritual beings therefore any kind of material experience while it may stimulate us and induce some experience of pleasure that this is not the same as happiness and a person can in fact be engaged in in excessive stimulation of the senses and things enjoying all kinds of material pleasure and still be borderline suicidal because they don't address the actual spiritual need and the need for happiness is is a spiritual need not a material need and then last week we explored about service the attempt to do good for others how it gives us a taste that is actually an introduction to what real spiritual happiness is and i say an introduction because um we basically become reconnected or we begin to become connected with our deeper spiritual self and the very nature of the soul the nature of the living being itself so tonight i was asked to speak on love as the greatest happiness before we we this is a really big subject <laughs> so firstly there has to be a recognition that i am an eternal spiritual being that this body is not who i am it's something i am using it's something i am inhabiting i'm residing within and if my life is simply focused on on this external covering and its experiences i i won't find happiness i won't um experience what is my actual right the nature of the living being the spiritual being is to exist eternally in a state of great happiness but there is another characteristic the desire to love or to be loved the desire for love is actually a spiritual desire it's not a material desire and while we can attempt to fulfill the need for love simply with other temporary personalities in a temporary dimension and while we may have some very happy experiences 
it will not fulfill us in the way that we can be fulfilled. And the highest attainment of yoga is this experience, this awakening, and this deep immersion and this condition of, of spiritual love. In the teachings of, of the spiritual teachings of, of the different yoga texts, they all absolutely acknowledge a higher power. It is, it is futile, it is frustrating, it is disappointing if you live your life in a totally self-focused, self-centered way without any recognition of any higher existence or any higher power. In, in the yoga system, there was a lot of, um, it's actually really amazing that this higher existence or God, as we might address, um, could be experienced in, in three principal and unique ways. One way was the experience of what is called Brahman. This is an infinite ocean of spiritual energy and light that is the foundation for all material creation, for, for practically speaking, every, for everything. And there were a category of yogis that attempted again to reunite with this great infinite ocean of spiritual energy of which I am part, of which I am part. And the experience that the yogis would have if they actually encountered this great spiritual, it was, it was absolutely ecstatic. It was not just a, a bit of a rush. It was overwhelmingly wonderful. And in that condition, if it was a person genuinely experienced this, they would experience a freedom from all fear and all anxiety. So it was considered like a state of, of supreme happiness. The second feature of this higher power, this absolute truth, or God, was an all-pervading feature that is found throughout the material creation and actually sitting within the hearts of all living beings. This form was called Paramatma. The living being is called the Atma, or self. This other being was called the Paramatma, or the supreme being. And the vast majority of yoga practitioners since time immemorial, they, the focus of their endeavor, I know, I know that at this time, you know, Hatha Yoga has become very um, prominent and there has always been, um, since time immemorial, practitioners who've, who followed this path. But the majority of yogic practitioners sought a union of the individual being 
with this supreme being, this Paramatma. And this personal manifestation of Godhead, this personal manifestation of Brahman is not temporary, it is not transitory, it is an eternal spiritual manifestation. And when the yogis would encounter and finally have this divine vision of this beautiful form standing within their heart, standing upon a lotus, it was so ecstatically wonderful that they would be overwhelmed in a profound state of spiritual ecstasy. The third feature of the absolute truth, the third third feature of, of this highest truth, was called Bhagavan. Bhagavan was a personal manifestation of Godhead that was overwhelmingly and ecstatically beautiful and sweet. No angry guy, no judgmental guy, no pointing the finger, don't piss me off kind of guy. It was the embodiment of of nectar, of nectarine sweetness. This feature of the highest truth was understood within certain schools of, of spiritual philosophy to be actually the foundation for everything and for all other manifestations. In the Brahma Samhita, um, it speaks to this reality. It was with this personal and, and absolutely sweet and gorgeous feature, the personal feature of this highest power, that one was able to completely and, and fully experience the meaning of love. This is, what, this is what was referred to in the attainment of what was called love for God. Because many people, their understanding of God or Godhead is somewhat immature or somewhat limited. Therefore, the thought or the idea of falling in love with some extraordinarily beautiful and sweet personality that absolutely takes my heart away, takes my breath away, leaves me absolutely unable to live without an intimate, an intimate and loving connection. This is not something that people can easily understand. And and we see it, and I've mentioned before, and, and I'm using this example because we live in a country that is predominantly being exposed to Christianity. And Lord Jesus Christ, when asked what was his first and foremost, the first, he was actually asked, what is the first and foremost amongst the law, the commandments and law? And he said the first and foremost was to love the Lord thy God with your whole heart, 
your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole being. And the second is like that, like unto that, to love thy brother as thyself or thy neighbor as thyself. I mean, this is, this is an extraordinary concept that has just been skipped over and, and no, no focus is placed on it. If you ask the average person who aspires to follow Lord Jesus Christ, what does that mean? What is that state of love that is so utterly, utterly overwhelming that your whole heart your whole heart, your whole mind is lost in this love. Do you know anyone that has ever experienced it? How is it experienced? Do you know how to attain it? And of course, the answer to those is just like it's a question mark, you know, and, and, and people don't want to go there. And that's exceedingly unfortunate. In, in, in the Vedic Shastra, the teachings of the Vedas, they describe that the experience of, of merging into this ocean of impersonal existence, this spiritual light, while it is incredibly overwhelming and it is, it is a form of happiness that leaves you not feeling like you want or need anything. You are utterly satisfied in that condition. And they, when they compare that experience for those who have experienced it to what is material happiness, some of these great Teachers said, it's like my lips curl and I spit. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, that's a bit radical. You know, you really, you're going to go there? You know, that's like pretty heavy. But it wasn't done in, in a negative and a way to denigrate. It was, and it, it was, it was a revelation of this spiritual truth and reality. One of our Param Gurus, his name was Rupa Goswami. He wrote this, and quoting again from, from a Vedic reference, he said, when we compare the great and transcendental happiness one can experience from merging into this ocean of light to what it is to become lost in this ocean of love, he said it is like comparing the water that could be contained in the hoof print of a cow with the ocean. This is not hyperbole. This is not an exaggeration. This is speaking about the most amazing transcendental condition. No one, no one can be forced or pushed down any one of these spiritual paths that produce different types of spiritual experience. They must be experienced voluntarily and with an actual desire. There has to be a strong desire to have this experience. And it was with this resolute commitment that 
the transcendentalists walked on their spiritual path, always recognizing that I am dependent upon the blessings of some higher power to actually achieve anything. I'm incapable of doing something simply by my own effort and endeavor. Even if I do not recognize any higher power, and I think that it is by my determination that I have some spiritual realization or experience, that is not an appropriate or complete understanding. Without, without these spiritual blessings, one cannot attain actually anything. Patanjali in the Yoga Sutra speaks to this when he uses the term three times, Ishwara Pranidhanava, that it is by this humility of heart, this absolute condition of surrender to this higher power. And here he speaks of him as Ishwara, the personal feature of the highest truth or Bhagavan. You have within your heart of hearts, part of the soul itself, part of your eternal nature is to exist in that state of love. And that is why we are constantly hankering for love, constantly hankering, looking, 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 hoping to find that perfect love that we hope is real and does exist. It is part of your nature and it is lying dormant. It is lying covered. The spiritual path to awaken this is known as the path of bhakti. Bhakti is not anything to do with this world. It is not of this world. It speaks to the eternal nature, the sanatan dharma, of the living being, the atma itself. And when one engages in processes or spiritual paths that awaken this natural tendency of the soul itself and reunites us, the living being, with the actual Lord of our heart, lost in an ocean of unimaginable and ecstatic love. The great spiritual personalities who came to this experience, not in public, but in private, they, they would experience overwhelming I don't know, what's the good English word? It's like a rapture. I don't know. It's no, rapture is probably not a good word. A beatitude. It's rather deep for most people, that word. Where in their reuniting with the actual Lord of their heart, they would sometimes burst into a condition of such happiness, an ecstatic condition, that they would shed tears, endless tears. 
their body would shiver. There are, there are actually symptoms of this experience. And what it feels like has been described in some of the more confidential parts of the Vedas. So I don't know what you guys think about this. Um, I usually don't talk about this kind of stuff because it's very personal and it's not everybody is um, eager to embrace this opportunity. But if we are going to speak of the different types of happiness that can be experienced. I think everybody's on board with the, with the recognition that so-called material pleasure is not actually fulfilling. It titillates and excites us, but it's not really fulfilling. It doesn't bring us to a state of great peace and profound happiness. It doesn't last. But if one wants to come to a higher state of happiness, it must have a spiritual focus. And this happiness will be a spiritual experience. And there are gradations, there are varieties of spiritual happiness. And the highest experience of spiritual happiness is called prema, this condition of spiritual love. So, when a person begins their, this natural condition of, of love, which resides within the heart, as I said, it's already there, it's simply covered. When we engage in a process that begins to uncover it, and this love begins to bloom, and we become, we are able to have increasingly more wonderful realizations of this highest truth of Bhagavan. When our love for this most lovable of personalities becomes awakened, the condition of love that is experienced there cannot be exceeded. There is nothing higher. There is nothing more wonderful. So because we are speaking on the topic of, of happiness, um, Ivishwar asked me to also to speak on, on this topic, on this subject. It's kind of a real bummer that God is kind of lost I don't know, today, it's not like everyone, I mean, but, but it's increasingly common that God has fallen out of favor. It's not a cool subject. I mean, people are willing to, oh yeah, I put it out there to the universe. What do you mean? You prayed to the universe or you asked something of the universe. I mean, what are you talking about, rocks? and water, and fire, and air. Y you worship that, 
as if it's someone that can respond to you. But if somebody wants to talk about God, that's just like, oh, my God, what happened to you? <laughs> and it's just like, what? <laughs> you know, don't you guys get it? You, know? you, you can't do that. That's not logical or intelligent. And it's also not true. While it is true that we may make an appeal and we may be thinking I'm making an appeal to the universe and I'm getting some answers. But any exchange like this is personality driven. It is not impersonal. I can't talk to the light and have the light inspire me. Right? It's not a possibility. And the idea that you could do that is, is just, it's unfortunate. As I said, it, there is no requirement for a person to completely embrace the personal feature of the highest truth or this higher power. That's a personal choice that you may want to do or not do. But there is a need to accept there is some greater power above me and that I am in need. I am in need of direction and of help. There's one famous verse in, in the Bhagavad Purana where it describes a man that has fallen in a deep hole, cannot extract himself from that. He needs the help of someone else to pull him out of that hole. And that example was used in relation to our plight. If we are overwhelmed by ignorance, and this ignorance is primarily manifest with the thought or the notion that this temporary body that is destined for death is me. No, it's not. That's not who you are. Your worth, your lovability, your beauty is not tied or in any way connected to this body. We are talking about inherent characteristics of the Atma, the soul itself, the self. If a person chooses in their spiritual journey to relate to this higher existence, this higher truth in, as an impersonal energy, that there's nothing wrong with that. That's, that's fantastic. You need to begin to walk on the spiritual path to find happiness. But if you are interested in your greatest happiness, it is experienced in connection with the most profound and overwhelming experience of love with the personal feature of the highest truth is known as Bhagavan. Okay, does anybody have any question? Let me just add one thing. Um, you know, the, the, this process that we follow, the use of these mantras, spiritual sound, they can be used to explore and to seek to attain the realization of any of those features of the highest truth, any of those features of Godhead or God. The results are different. One may have 
this most amazing experience of, of being able to raise the life air and to leave through the Brahmarudra and to merge into this ocean of spiritual existence and become utterly free from fear and anxiety, to attain a state of amazing peacefulness. But I would be remiss if I did not tell you that this is not the best use of these mantras or spiritual sounds. The best use is when we seek full self-realization, full enlightenment, and the ultimate experience of the awakening of this spiritual love. Okay, any question? Was that too far out or we can handle that? I don't know. Nobody might show up next week. <laughs> and as, as Iveshwar said, the proof of the eating is, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. We're not talking about an, an, a sincere aspirant on the spiritual path does not seek to mentally, you know, play around and develop ideas and adhere to things. No, this, we're talking about a real full awakening of enlightenment, the spiritual experience. And every one of you has the capacity. There is no special qualification needed. We are talking about the eternal nature of the Atma, the self. You're, you have an eternal nature, and this is a process of uncovering that. It's not something that you acquire from outside or learn. Okay, we good? Thank you very much.
turn.